Hey, we are so thankful you're tuning in to the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast. Before we get going today, I want to ask you to go to our exciting new website, rjdpodcast.com. Go ahead and scroll down and subscribe to the email list. This will ensure that every time a new podcast release, you will get a reminder and a link uh, to the podcast uh, uh, straight to your inbox. In this era of cancel culture and censorship, we want to make sure we can still get our message straight to you. We are so thankful you're joining us today. Please enjoy this week's Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast. Welcome to the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast. We're so glad you tuned in today as we're going to once again talk about the importance of a Christian worldview and how that impacts our larger life. So we have a lot to talk about today, as we always do. Uh, I, I've shared from be, from the beginning, the heart behind this leadership podcast, discipleship podcast, is to make sure you understand that your Christian beliefs and your worldview in general literally impact everything. If Jesus is Lord of all, then there's literally nothing that uh, we cannot talk about or where his leadership or authority does not uh, leave its mark. And so, uh, man, a lot to talk about today. Yeah, we had, had a busy, busy week, huh? <laughs> yeah, we did. A lot going on. <laughs> a lot of happening, yeah. beginning with uh, our trip to Lubbock. Talk yeah. about that for a little bit. Of all places, we went to Lubbock, Texas. You know, you thought Texas was just we. Little... We had, we had oh, like yeah. 40 weeks. 40 people gone to Lubbock, yeah, Texas. A lot yeah. of our friends went out there. It was a wonderful trip. And you thought Lubbock, Texas would be a little bit warmer. But it's like, <laughs> I mean, it was there was one warm day. Well, yeah, one warm day. And then it cooled off. And it was like, whoa, back in Northwest Indiana. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was. Except Northwest Indiana is very green and, yes. and gorgeous. Uh, it was good to come back home to, to beautiful spring in, yeah. in the Midwest. But, um, but while we were out there, just a great conference. Talk a little bit, too, about uh, Yeah, we just, went to, the reason we went to Lubbock, Texas, is because they have a conference called Kingdom at Work. It's geared really to people in the marketplace, really geared to entrepreneurs and business owners. Yeah, and, and if you've watched our podcast, as I know many of you have, we interviewed uh, Rick and Holly Beatonbow, yeah. you know, the leaders of uh, of uh, Beatonbow Homes and uh, Beatonbow businesses but uh yeah. now it's expanded but wonderful people jesus loving people and uh we and they hosted us and did just such an amazing job yeah they they so beaten by home is a home building business and they're incredibly uh, talented and gifted and god's blessed them but what the most special thing about them is they operate by kingdom principles um in which we couldn't even cover in this podcast there's so many the, the, the short of it is that jesus is lord of everything jesus. so jesus is lord of the marketplace yeah. And so how do we bring the reality of Christ's kingdom and his lordship into the marketplace and with our starting with him leading our businesses? Yeah, and just some of the stuff they've done is just incredible in terms of truly making Jesus the leader, the CEO of the company, the owner of the company. But you know, but out of this business, they start a ministry really to minister to marketplace. And, and we get, we interact with them a couple times. They came up and they did a they conference here with us. And this time we sent a bunch of people down there uh, along with ourselves and our wives. And we just had an awesome time yeah. in this conference. Great time of fellowship. And, and the more time we spend with those folks, the more we, re we realize what we have in common. And I think it's our, our understanding of the kingdom. Because yeah. as, uh, as we were made aware, the Saturday we were uh, down there that weekend that followed the conference was a huge referendum uh, vote that took place in the city of Lubbock. And this is making headlines right now. This was in Newsweek, which of course is incredibly uh, liberal and to the left. So I, I like the language that they choose here, but they said about two thirds of Lubbock, Texas residents voted uh, to um, 
Residents voted to ban abortion procedures in the city and to become what supporters call the city's largest sanctuary city for the unborn. Um, and so that's amazing. Two-thirds of the people came out in favor of making abortion illegal within the city limits of Lubbock, yeah. Texas, which includes Texas Tech University, a big college, uh, obviously, in the, in the area. But this is huge, and it's causing massive ripple effects right. uh, across the nation because, again, this goes right in the face of Planned Parenthood. It goes right in the face of the uh, the, the uh, sexual idol that's in America today, uh, which is you know the, the sexual freedom at all costs, which includes you know being able to take the life of your unborn children uh, and, and offer your children on on Moloch's altar, all in all in the support of sexual liberty, the banner of sexual liberty without any boundaries or biblical restraint. Uh, and so this is huge, but uh, and I think the media is is alarmed right now. I think according uh, to this, uh, we go back and find that data. Um, how many uh, sanctuary oh, cities? Twenty six. I was just reading about this. This has become the twenty six U.S. municipality to adopt uh, the to outlaw abortion. And of course, yeah. our friends, the Pavlanskis from uh, North Carolina, recently uh, their city became or their county became an, an abortion. Uh, free sanctuary yeah. for the unborn. So this is great stuff. And again, this perfectly follows uh, churches that have a kingdom mindset. What we're saying is we should be involved in protecting the unborn. This is a biblical value. Uh, and the churches that say, well, that's political and we just want to preach the gospel. This is the gospel. This is the gospel lived out. This is the gospel uh, really de that's demonstrating courage and the principle of engagement, you know, that the church's role in public policy matters. And so, yeah. you know, we applaud, you know, efforts like this and uh, and just want to continue to see that happen uh, more and more and more. Amen. And it leads me, I guess, to another point before we get into what happens Sunday. You know, I, I've shared this, we've shared this on this podcast, that elections have consequences. And, and it disturbed me that so many evangelical Christians um, have a lousy view of engagement or or an unbiblical view of engagement. You know, people were upset at, at President Trump's uh, personality or at his words or found him to be abrasive. But what we encouraged people to, to do was look beyond uh, the style points on the outside as far as a person's demeanor or how they how they act at times or maybe the, if they're gruff or insensitive or whatever. But look at the policy initiatives and the policy initiatives that that administration put forth uh, were incredibly in line, perhaps more in line with biblical values than any policy or any uh, administration we've ever seen in the history of America when you actually look at the facts. And yet, um, of course, we, we, we believe that this election was, was uh, fraudulent. Um, the problem was that it was never, that the evidence was never looked at. It was always kicked down the curb. But, but here's what I want you to see. And this, this, this is important for us to remember as Christian voters. Uh, here's a report of Biden's first 100 days in office. Uh, and uh, it says President Biden has made at least $479.9 billion, so nearly half a billion dollars available. For half, almost $500 billion. I'm sorry, yeah, $500 billion, almost half a trillion dollars yeah. uh, available that can subsidize abortion and abortion businesses. Now, listen to this. This is more than 19 times the level set under the Obama administration, which was radical for abortion policies. So Biden's uh, 1.9 trillion COVID-19 relief package 
again, makes uh, almost $500 billion available for abortion and abortion businesses. By comparison with Obama's first 100 days, he had signed a stimulus bill that included $24.7 billion in subsidies. Um, so again, it, the comparison is huge. Uh, and, and this is because, again, many Christians voted for Joe Biden, even though he came out being, you know, uh, strongly in favor of promoting abortion and revor- reversing all the life policies that the Trump administration had put forward. And so, you know, you just sit back at times, you scratch your head and you go, what are we thinking? What are we doing? These are these are lives here that are, that are, are going to be ended because of this administration and because of the and and, you're, and the other sad thing is your taxpayer dollars are being used to support this uh, wholesale slaughter of the unborn, which was unconscionable for us as believers to be uh, using our taxpayer dollars to support such a wicked agenda. Yeah. Uh, but that gets us back, I guess. Let's talk a little bit about Sunday, and then we'll get into some, <laughs> some bigger issues here. Um, we continued with our our now uh, series on Sunday. The shirt that I'm wearing is going to be available for everybody who took part in the pledge uh, to help make this this campaign a reality. Uh, and so I want to want you to know in a couple of weeks, if you pledge, you can come up and pick up your your now campaign shirt. Um, but I shared Sunday. You know, it's interesting that the uh, the words when it comes to Jonathan and the armor bearer that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. That passage begins with the simple phrase, "One day." You know, one day, Jonathan. One day, Jonathan and the armor bearer believed God. One day, they stepped out in faith. One day, they said, perhaps God will intervene. And, uh, and it, But it was a normal day. It was like today. Today is a, a one day, and, we, and life is made up of, of one days. And I think what I'm trying to get across and really sense the Holy Spirit wants us to hear is that God wants us to seize the life that we have, the days that we have. Our days are limited. Um, he wants us to seize those days. And to partner with him to accomplish kingdom victories and kingdom breakthroughs, and that's what we were trying to talk about Sunday when we talked about John or Joshua and the new generation. Moses was dead. Joshua was being handed the baton, and we talked about that passage um, and 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 what the Lord had to say regarding His commitment, you know, to Joshua, and then what was our commitment? What was the people's commitment yeah. in response to that? Um, so talk a little bit about that. It was a, it was a good day. We had a lot of we made some pledges on Sunday. We made some commitments, and we were stirred yeah. up by the by the word of the Lord. Yeah, I really felt like as a congregation, we really seized the moment. You know, we had three services, and all three services, I felt the passion. You know, we we came forward and offer our commitment. It wasn't a passive thing. It was yeah. it was kind of like everyone who came forward kind of took on their own Jordan. You know, <laughs> yeah. Jordan. You know, like you said, uh, symbolized. Jordan River. Jordan yep. River symbolized decisions. Yep. And we came, we we took a proactive steps. We walked down and we threw our envelope into the um into the uh, bucket. Yep. And it was as you said, the crossing of the Jordan in Israel and uh, Israel's history meant it was a time of decision making. It was a it was a chance to either stay on the other side where they had lived in shame and defeat and unbelief. Or it was a chance to believe God and to get their feet wet and put yeah. their feet into that river and to cross the Jordan. And, you know, it's interesting. Uh, here's Joshua, who spent 40 years, right, with Moses wandering in the wilderness. He watched all of his, you know, uh, previous generation, uh, his peers, his contemporaries. He watched every one of them die in the wilderness, as God had promised. You know, and it, to me, it's just a strong reminder. Let's not 
fall victim to living in a a lifestyle of unbelief, a lifestyle paralyzed by fear. And that's what we hit on Sunday. Well, I I love what the point you made is, is the the battle's been won, but God still wants us to fight the battle, you know? Uh, he'll go with us, but he won't go for us. And I, I love that. I love that analogy uh, because that's really. And why? Why would God do that? Why would a father do that? You know, to your kids, it's like, hey, you know, as as a father, I try to train my kid. If they're scared of something, if they're afraid of something, like my son is deathly afraid. Your your puppy, your dog. The day we came over, and he's so scared. He's <laughs> totally harmless. I mean, the, it's like the cutest, most happy-going dog. He's like deathly afraid of it. But I grab my son's hand. Let's go together. Now, I'm not going to go for him. I'm not going to pet the dog for him. But uh, you're going to go with I'm him. I'm going to grab his hand. I'm going to go with him. And because I, I really think it's because God wants to make us victors. And I think that the biggest difference between a victor and victim is a victim feels like they don't have a decision. They don't have a choice. They're powerless. They're powerless. But we, but this Jordan River decision analogy tells us God wants us to make a decision. When we can make a decision, it means we we have the power. We yeah. we have the ability to make the right or the wrong decision. Yeah. That makes us take ownership, take responsibility, and that makes us champions and victors and not victims. And that that's what maturity looks like. And I feel like that was a process in which God says, "I'm about to turn the Israelites from victims." Because most of them die in the wilderness. Yeah. Think about that adult generation, that older generation. Every single one died except for Joshua and Caleb. Every single one of them died. Yeah. I mean, that's tragic. And imagine they were the two spies that came back with a good report. They yeah. were ready to go. Yeah. And I can't imagine how painful it was to be essentially paying the price. Yeah. For 40 years, you paid the price for your generation's lack of faith. And, and oh, man, I just, you know... I, I don't want to be the kind of person that my family, for instance, pays the price for my That's unbelief. True. Or how about in a church context? You know, th- this this word um, to Joshua was the word from his heavenly father to him saying, come on, son, the, the baton's in your yeah. hands. It's your time to lead. And over and over again, three times, be strong and courageous. The second time, be strong and very courageous. Yeah. And we shared, you know, our response is threefold. Number one, be strong. And the opposite of strength in this yeah. context is not weakness, but fear. Yeah. Fear sucks the life out of you. Yeah. I, I, again, I love that description because what did Josh have to do? Did he have to come up with some crazy uh, uh, military strategy? Did he have to like work out really hard and become the best fighter? I mean, I'm sure he was a good fighter. Yeah. I mean, what did he have to do? Did he have to navigate some tricky terrain, learn some crazy language? No. All he had to do was be strong and courageous, which in the moment, he probably felt like that was the hardest thing to do. I mean, I remember when I grabbed my son, I had zero, I have 100% chance that the dog was not going to bite my son. He's going to be friendly. It's going to be a great experience. Yeah. But my son was shaking. And I thought, man, all I want him to do is not to have some crazy maturity or crazy experience, but simply to say, hey, I'm going to believe in my father and be strong and courageous. Good. It's like very simple, but very hard. Oh, yeah. you know? That's yeah, why God said it three times. And seeing him move from a, you know, irrational fear yeah. to where he can now enjoy a, yeah. a, a pet or a dog or whatever animal, you know, and, and so that's a victory. But this is the way the devil works. You know, the, the devil's main strategy is to get us worried about things that will never happen. Yeah. And that, that's exactly what's going on in our culture today. It's exactly what's happening in most congregations. We're freaking out about things that never happened. Or never were determined by God to happen. And so anyway, be strong and not fearful. Be courageous. And this is important. The opposite of courage is discourage. 
It's when you are so burdened and so heavy and so depressed. It's when emotionally uh, you're just not willing to fight. You're not willing to face the enemy uh, that, that you experience defeat. And so we need hearts that are full of courage. And courage is willing to go face the challenge with the Lord uh, and to take it head on. Absolutely. And so... Don't uh, be strong, not fearful. Be courageous, not discouraged. And the third thing, and this was so important, the Lord said, be careful. Be careful to do what? Be careful to obey. In other words, don't be careless with your Christianity. And I just want to pause here for a moment because we're living in a culture, um, and I love this quote. Here's a good old Charles Spurgeon quote. He says, it's treason against the king of kings to tone down the word of the Lord. It's treason against the king of kings to tone down the word of the Lord. Right now, we're seeing attacks at our Christian universities, the larger culture. Christianity Today just came out with a with a, a piece that said, is cohabitation the new norm for Christians? In other words, you cannot move in the supernatural power and presence and victory that has been promised us. That, that's what uh, Joshua chapter 1, he was promised complete yeah. success. Yeah. And, I, and I just want to say, the, the Lord says, be careful, Joshua. I just want to say this, Christians, be careful. You cannot live in compromise. You cannot tone down the gospel and the authority of Jesus so that it becomes popular to the surrounding culture. You can't dumb down the gospel and expect to move in supernatural power and victory. I believe with all my heart that God wants the church to win, that God wants the church to be powerful, that God wants the church to be moving forward and facing the giants. You know, what the Christians did in Lubbock, that, you know, that, here's, what, here's what politicians will tell you. Well, we can't do that because we're afraid of lawsuits. We're going to get lawsuits. So what if you're going to get a lawsuit? You're, do the right thing. And why don't we trust God to back us up? Why don't we trust God to give us the power and, and the ability to succeed? But you have to be willing to stand for truth. And, and he says, be careful to study everything in the book. Meditate on it. Obey it. Only then, the Bible says, will you be prosperous and will you succeed in everything. So you know what? It's really time for the church to quit playing it safe. It's time for the church to quit living in compromise. It's time for the church to get out of sexual sin, stop living like the world. If you want the presence of God and you want the promises of God to work in your life, then you got to stop living like the devil. you got to get out of bed with the devil. Uh, and and that's part of our problem. I mean, we have seen over and over again, there's a direct relationship between consecration and courage. Absolutely. And a lot of times, you know, I mean, we don't know everyone's everyday life, and I can't look at someone and be like, oh, they're living in sin, they're not living in sin. But a lot of times when you see a lack of courage, you have to wonder what's going on there, you know? Um, I was just talking to a young man yesterday and just talking about the importance of uh, the authority God's given us, that we, we we squander that when we live in compromise. And, and here you go. We're not even talking about compromise like in blatant sin. We're just simply saying we, we haven't set ourselves apart for God's purpose. You know, so much of the world, so much of the church world dives into like, how far can I go and, and still consider not sin? 
How about the other directions? Like how far can I consecrate myself? Because it's no longer about, well, am I sending, quote, quote, sending or not sending, but am I hitting the mark? Am I being obedient? Am I living in consecration? Yeah. Am I setting myself apart for God's purpose? You know, that should be the discussion, not the other way of like, how am I, is this technically sinning? How about, are you obeying the, the, the heart of the father? Are you pursuing his heart? You know, then you well, don't even think we, we've seen. We, we talk about kingdom, right? Yeah. But the kingdom means our lives are submitted to the king. And you can't live in the king's domain and be living as a rebel. Yeah. And, you know, sin makes us a rebel. So everything you said is so true. Why why are we trying to get as close to the enemy's camp as yeah. possible? Why are we living on the outskirts? That's where Saul was living. Saul was living on the outskirts uh, where nothing was happening. God wants us to move in his kingdom to the center to be as close to the king as we can possibly yeah, be. That's good. Uh, so we got to quit asking stupid questions like how how much sin can I get away with and still go to heaven? Technically someday? not sin. It's like oh, let's pursue the heart of the Father, man. That's Let's get in. Do you want the authority? Do you want the anointing? God's not a robot. You know, He's a. He, there's a relationship. The Holy right. Spirit is a relationship. And we and we even said it's not just about the. Pro and that's that's by the way what I loved about our Kingdom at Work conference. Continually, what we saw modeled for us was not just operating on biblical principles. Mm. A principle removes me from the one who who made the principle, yeah. right? I mean, I can have a relationship with God through His Word and through His promises. I'm not minimizing that. Sure. We we need to read the Word and we need to obey the Word and we need to stand on the Word. But this is a living Word. The the Word is to take us to. Our Father. The Word is to take us to Jesus. The Holy Spirit's job is to take those promises and help us to apply them to everyday life. Yeah. And to do that, you have to constantly be saying, Lord Jesus, what do you want me to do now? Lord, how do you want me to apply this principle now? In other words, it, the Bible was never intended to, to separate us from the voice of the living God or from a relationship with God. Yeah. Um, and so I love the way that they reinforce that. I and mean, I, if you pursue the Lord, you'll realize, you know, the whole, the, 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 your, if you truly crave and long for relationship with the Holy Spirit, to hear his voice, you just realize consecration is part of the picture. Absolutely. Consecration is, is part of living set apart, having a, a disposition of humility, a disposition of, of vulnerability, a disposition of brokenness, and disposition yeah. of obeying God is key to have that relationship. You just can't separate those two things. And what I'm looking for, what we're looking for is for, for people who aren't looking at, oh, is this technically sin or not, but who are pressing into the presence, into that deep relationship because they want to hear the voice of God. They want to have a great relationship with the Holy Spirit. And, and you know, when you love God and you love his kingdom and you realize that his kingdom brings blessing to everybody, yeah. whether you're Christian or non-Christian, you have a passion uh, for God to win. Yeah. And that's why I love the promise here. The Lord says, look, you're going to go in to, and possess the land. You're, you're going to you're going to, to rule over my enemies, all right? Um, and that, that was the great promise. It takes, when you love your king, there's a passion in your heart to see him glorified. And you care about your city. You care about your nation. You care about the nations of the world. Yeah. You can't just sit back because there is a zeal for the glory of God. That's why the, the church now needs to be moving forward. The church needs to be confronting idols. The church needs to be ministering to people in fear. Um, and uh, and we've got to be strong and courageous. Now, I'm going to meddle here for a little bit. Yeah. We're uh, switching gear, but not really, because we're talking about fear. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. This is a perfect transition. Um, this, this little magazine comes out, I believe, on a weekly basis, a, a little newsletter publication of Hill, Hillsdale College. Many of you are familiar with Imprimis. Uh, great, great stuff. Um, but this was a, a, a guy named Scott Atlas, who uh, is a senior fellow at the Hoover Institute at Stanford University. So he is a scholar. He's, a, he's an academic um, the problem is he is conservative, uh, and therefore he's under attack. But this was uh, th- this article was called "Science, Politics, and COVID: Will Truth Prevail?" and uh, and here's how he begins. He said, uh, first of all, he goes, "I've been shocked at the unprecedented exertion of power." by the government since last March. We've talked about this repeatedly on this podcast. And here's the the unprecedented exertion of power by government. Issuing of unilateral decrees. We talked about why this is a a major red flag because we don't live in a dictatorship. Mm. And I was glad to see that our Indiana uh, uh, state legislature overturned the government's um, veto of that bill that would seek to curtail the power of uh, the governor during times of quote you know crisis, uh, to where now that it has been limited, and now the the state legislature is going to get a weigh in if that ever happens again. And we talked about why it's so important for yeah. the legislature to be in power and not one person. Anytime there's a unilateral decree, which is what we're seeing right now from from President Biden and the heavy handed uh, decrees that, that are coming down from the federal level, that's a problem. President Trump sent things back to the states. Uh, and let local states make those decisions because all 50 states are different and, they, and they're all, you know, uh, they deal with different issues. Yeah. That is more of a local uh, solution, which is what I believe our founders intended because it protects us from one person or one agency making law, uh, which they're not allowed to do anyway. Uh, how about this one? The ordering of the closure of businesses and churches and schools. Um, we've been, again, vocalizing why this is a problem and why Living Stones will never close again and why I hope other churches take a bold stand to be the church of Jesus Christ. How about this? Restricting personal movement. We're seeing this now with all these uh, uh, vaccination requirements before you can go about the country. These are fundamentally unconstitutional. Got to stay indoors. That's right. Or stay indoors. Or only this many people. Listen to me. When when the government tells you only a certain amount of people can come to your church, they've crossed the line. That They have zero authority to do that. That's why we pushed back since last May. We've been worshiping for over a year. Many people have never worshiped in over a year. We're meeting these people every week that have been out of church for a year. Uh, if your church willingly shut down and listened to that, it's not that they were submitting to authority. It's that they don't understand their authority. That's the problem. Yeah. They don't understand the authority of the church. Uh, how about this? Mandating behavior, including masks and other things, and suspending indefinitely basic freedoms. We should be screaming bloody murder about these things and not submitting. This is not, do you know that the number one scripture passage that was embraced by the church during Hitler's reign of terror was Romans 13. Hmm. Uh, The church kept quoting Romans 13 while people were being sent off to gas chambers and all kinds of horrific things were being done. Uh, they were submitting to Adolf Hitler and to the state out of Romans, a misinterpretation of Romans 13. It's still happening today in America. This is the second observation he makes, which I thought was equally disturbing. I was, I was, and he says, I remain stunned, almost frightened 
at the acquiescence of the American people to such destructive, arbitrary, and wholly unscientific rules, restrictions, and mandates. I'm glad to hear somebody else is saying that they're, <laughs> yeah. they're almost frightened. Now, again, we're not living in fear, but it should, it should cause us great alarm to see people continuing to submit to mask mandates, to any limitations on behavior, and people walking around, even people that have already been vaccinated. Yeah. We're being told that if you've already been vaccinated, that this is the new normal. We're going to have to live with masks on, practice social distancing, and all of this stuff, which this scholar goes on to point out, looking at scientific studies, shows that masks have a minimal, 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 minimal effect on mitigating any kind of spread of virus. That's science. Now, you're not going to hear that from because it's not the common narrative. But we just were on, uh, and I'm not, I don't even have a problem mentioning the name because I'm so sick of it. I'll probably try to not fly American Airlines ever again. But to hear, we are now under federal mandates. If somebody, this is what we heard on our flight, if somebody is, if an attendant, a steward, has to talk to you more than three times, we're going to take your name, we're going to submit your name to the concierge or whatever. You're going to go have to meet with that person as soon as you get off this flight, and they will determine whether or not you will be able to complete your flight wherever it is that you're going. This was what they shared repeatedly uh, with everybody on our flight. Your mask had to be over your nose, all right? Now, you can take it down if you're eating. <laughs> yeah. So I just chose to eat a lot and to be <laughs> sipping on water a lot. But I had my uh, steward tell me uh, at least a half dozen times, Mister, could you please get the mask over your nose? In fact, I was awakened from a deep sleep because my mask was only right here and not over my nose. The fact that we tolerate this stuff uh, is what is scary. And the fact that you see people driving around in a car by themselves with a mask or that we have to wear a mask just to get into a restaurant, but then while we sit down around everybody, we don't have to wear the mask. I mean, we've talked about this stuff. It is ludicrous. It is unscientific. It is unhealthy. And it, we're not even talking about the unintended effects um, to mask wearing and to all the shutdowns that have been going on, which yep. he highlights here. And talk about some of that. We talked about the suicide just going up, the skyrocketing. Yeah. Um, we're, we're um, leave us right here. Closer. It talks about how the, the depression, the C, okay, here you go. Uh, beyond hospital care, the CDC. And this is the CDC report. So, yeah, so. CDC uh, reports fourfold increase in depression, fourfold increase in depression, threefold increase in anxiety symptoms, and doubling of suicidal ideations, particularly among young adults after the first few months of lockdown. Echoing American Medical Association reports of drug overdose and suicide. Domestic and child abuse has been skyrocketing due to the isolation and loss of jobs. Okay, so so we haven't even seen the economic impact. And, and yeah, because we've been print, just giving money out. Right. Yeah, and but this is the other part that, that hit me. He said, regarding universal masks, 38 states have implemented mask mandates, most of them uh, since last summer with almost all having uh, mandates in their major cities. Widespread general population mask uses has shown little empirical utility in terms of preventing cases. Even uh, though citing or describing evidence against their utility has also been censored. And then he says in Denmark, uh, uh, they performed a randomized controlled study that showed that widespread mask usage had minimal impact. So that's the science. 
Um, and you're not being irresponsible. You're not being, you know, unscientific. Uh, you're being an American. You're living out your freedom and your liberties, and you're actually being scientific. So we need to start saying enough is enough. Uh, and it takes courage to do that. But I'm telling you what, if we don't start speaking out, uh, I'm concerned yeah. about he where put, we're headed. He put more, more uh, quotes up from article about despite two decades of pandemic preparedness, there's considerable uncertainty as, as to the value of wearing masks. Um, so we said this from day one, the Bible teaches that you quarantine sick people. You don't quarantine healthy populations. This does not work. This is unbiblical. And I think we're, this is saying we have yet to even see the impact of this. We're certainly going to see the economic impact of it, uh, because it's coming down the pike. The other thing we want to talk quickly, and do we have enough time to get into this? Yeah, I'm going to get this quickly. <laughs> And you need to be aware of this. This administration, the first 100, 100 days, the policies that, that are being put forth are all about consolidation of power. Why is this the case? Because we have a national election coming up, a midterm election, and it can't come fast enough, in my opinion. What we've been saying is elections are absolutely meaningless if we do not have election integrity. Um, as we already pointed out, it, somebody asked me this last week, Pastor Ron, do you believe that this election was stolen? Absolutely, I believe this election was stolen. You say, well, there was no proof. What it, no, there was lots of proof. The problem is the institutions that should have been helpful in exposing any kind of fraud kicked the can. Nobody stood up. Some of this, we could, we could say this is deep state. We could say this is uh, fear. We, I, I don't know. We can give... The, and for the, those who don't know, there's a crazy huge audit going on in Maricopa County, Arizona. And they have live streaming cameras. You can go online and just look at the cameras. Total transparency. All Latino the votes. They're looking currently all in Georgia, I believe. New Hampshire has some crazy anomalies and they're they're pushing for some type of audit. I mean, these are the people pushing back. These They're, they're legitimate audits happening. So, now, let me just say Anybody who Who's not in support of transparency in the election process and accountability, you have a you have a political agenda. That's clear. Anybody, whether you're a D, an I, or, or an R, you should be for the integrity of our system. Uh, and so listen to what the Democrats are pushing right now. They want to make the District of Columbia and Puerto Rico new states. Well, why do they want to do this? Because it would probably guarantee four new Democratic senators. And they're all about controlling power right now. So why a push for the District of Columbia and Puerto Rico? Why do we want to change what has been American policy for, for centuries? Well, because it's all about power. How about this? We're going to open the borders. So we have a massive border crisis. You'll never hear anything about it. Remember all the cage talk uh, that, that people yeah. were saying? Yeah. Of course, there that was all, again, the, the leftist narrative to try to make uh, the Trump administration look like they were wicked or didn't care about children. We have a crisis of, of uh, unprecedented numbers down right now on our southern border that this administration refuses to deal with because the end game for them is more people uh, uh, streamlined into American citizenship and given the right to vote. Even pushing for those who are illegal in this country or not American citizens, giving them the right to vote in American elections. Now, this is insane. Why in the world would you allow somebody who is not a citizen of this country to shape uh, the direction that this country heads? Because it's all about power and it's all about more voters uh, for the Democratic Party. How about this? Packing the courts, right? Mm -hmm. we, yeah. we heard about that. Yeah. Uh, adding more people to the Supreme Court. Why? 
so that they can push through their radical agenda through the courts. I need to remind you all that none of this radical agenda has passed through state legislatures. It always gets pushed through activist judges and courts, which is, again, not the way our founding fathers intended for us to make policy in this country. We're pushing for to eliminate the filibuster so that an evenly split Senate will now be able to pass every piece yeah. of a legislation. 50-50 Senate with one break tie because the vice president is going to make these major, huge... I mean, that's the thing is, you got to understand, in the Senate and the House, it's a slim difference between the D and R right now. And they're pushing these huge changes, you know, I thought I thought the Biden administration was supposed to be about like moderation, about uniting the country. Like you can't be possibly more divisive than talk about statehood, DC, Puerto Rico, mm-hmm. packing the Supreme Court. And all there's the, nothing more divisive than those things. Yeah, the the, the massive uh, push for every bit of abortion funding, the LGBTQ agenda that's being Quality pushed, act, even supporting yeah. uh, children as as young as eight years old going through gender reassignment surgeries. This is a warped, perverted, sick leftist agenda now pushing the green uh, uh, climate change hysteria and the Green Deal, all this stuff, uh, which is as left as left can be. I mean, Joe Biden is miles to the left uh, of Barack Obama. Uh, and, uh, and even his first 100 days being applauded by some of the most leftist Marxist members of our Congress. Uh, we need to wake up. This is happening right now. And it gets worse. How about this? halting any election reforms and claiming that they are Jim Crow laws. And so now when we simply want people to show an ID, which you have to do in America for about a thousand other things just simply to survive and function as a citizen, now we're being told that these are Jim Crow laws, which is ludicrous. It's all under the, the banner of racism. Never mind, mind you, that the Constitution gives the state uh, legislatures, jurisdiction over all elections. And so this is a massive, unprecedented, unconstitutional power grab uh, by the Democratic Party right now because there's zero support on the other side of the aisle. So anyway, th- this is a progressive uh, deal and it's happening with the support, the full com- complicit support of our media, of our social media, of corporations, huge corporations now that are using their economic clout um, and we should all be very concerned about what's going on. Well, right when, when you got like Delta Airlines or Coke, Coca-Cola, whatever companies in the land that's just coming down on them requiring IDs and people pushing back and say, hey, I can't get to a shareholders meeting at Coke or whatever it is without showing my IDs. I can't pick, pick up my ticket at, at Delta Airlines with my ID. Wait, what is more important, our sacred right to vote? Or our, our ability to go to shareholders meeting or fly an airplane, you would think the sacred right to vote will be much more precious, that we need to protect that even more. It's like, it's so hip- hypocritical, you know? Well, and that, that's the big thing. It's hypocritical. It stinks to high heaven. Because yeah. anybody with truth, and I just want to say this, we have spoken boldly. I led an effort at the state house to call out Republican leaders when they were caving on biblical morality and on truth and on righteousness. I just want to make it clear: when you stand for the kingdom of God, you're not a D, you're not an R. Your your political ideology does not become who defines you. And so, I just want to make it clear: this is not some rah rah Republican, you know, podcast here. But the other side of the the, the coin needs to equally be said. 
We're moving beyond local politics, right? I'm talking about national politics. I do not know how you can support a Democratic candidate in America today based on the radical, unbiblical, wicked uh, uh, policies that are being promoted that are going to destroy this republic and that at the end of the day are after their their frontal assault on your Judeo-Christian values. I can say that unashamedly today. There is no way you can stand and support a Democratic agenda for America that is fully aligned now with Marxism and anti-Christian policy, a, a platform of death. I'll say the same thing about the Republican Party if they ever bail on standing up for life and liberty and ordered republic and the rule of law and fair elections and everything else, we'll be the first to be condemning them as well because we are true to the word of God and we're true to the biblical worldview. And right now we have one party that's completely bailed on that. Uh, and that I, I, I say without uh, being ashamed, I have no idea how anybody could vote uh, for a candidate supporting that agenda. That's where we are in America today. Now, please hear me. There are good people locally uh, that were elected as Democrats and that are good folks. They love the Lord. But my challenge to them would be, hey, your party has abandoned you. How do you continue to stand for a party that is so out in left field and, pr and promoting such wickedness? Certainly you can't do that as a believer. So I just want to be clear on that. The plumb line is the word of God. And blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. But I'm telling you, we got to be courageous and we've got to speak and we've got to speak loudly and we have to be strong and we've got to lead. You know, we have to live out our convictions. I love this quote from C.S. Lewis, and maybe this is a good, a good place to end the podcast today. We've been talking a lot about this, but I, I love this quote in particular. Uh, he says, since it is so likely that children will meet cruel enemies in this fallen, broken world in which we live. Let them at least have heard of brave knights and heroic courage. Mm. Isn't that good? That's good. Uh, we need to equip uh, our children to face the challenges and the realities of this world. And I'm telling you, it's getting darker uh, and more wicked with each passing day. The reason is not that darkness has power. The reason is that the church is losing its light. And part of the reason we're losing our light is because we're losing our voice. And the reason we're losing our voice is because we're not strong and courageous like the Lord commanded Joshua to be. Uh, if we'll be strong and courageous, he says, I'm with you. I'll not abandon you. I'll never leave you. I will help you. I mean, we have the full endorsement of heaven behind us. Uh, but but as, as you said, Pastor Andrew, when we started this podcast, the land was promised. It was a gift. But God would not go fight their battles for them. He would fight with them, yeah. but he would not fight for them alone. Yeah, and, and the the question for our age today is, do we retreat and let uh, whatever forces the world take over, or do we believe the promised land is right ahead of us? Amen. And, and I shared Sunday, you know, when, when, the, when the Lord says to Joshua, every place that your foot shall tread, I have given it to you. Obviously, he gave them a specific promise in terms of land, and he, he, he defined in that passage what, the, what those boundaries were. But that principle of taking dominion, every place our foot shall tread, God wants to give it to us. That, I believe, is just as, as valid for believers today that we need to be taking land. Where? In government, mm -hmm. in the media, in economics, in law, in medicine. Uh, in every arena of society. Yeah. And the reason I believe that, because this is not about like Andrew's territory. This is about God's kingdom. 
and God's God's kingdom will never cease. It's always and the earth forward. is the Lord's. The I Lord's mean, where Lord's. where in the cosmos in a God created cosmos, yeah. what part of this God created cosmos does not yeah. rightfully? That's our original Lord. mission. That was our original mission is to take dominion for God's kingdom. Amen. So. so Last plug, please join us at the Crown Point Courthouse if you're local, uh, 12 o'clock noon, National Day of Prayer. I'll be taking part in that with uh, pastors from our uh, city, uh, and we're going to come out and seek the blessing of God and the wisdom of God and repent for where we dropped the ball and just cry out nationally for America. So whether you can be there in person or just uh, pause, you know, wherever you're at at noon, take some time on Thursday to pray for America. All right, it's gonna be an important day. Any final word? No, I think we're just trying to encourage you guys. Hey, God's winning, he's always won, he will win, and we're just all for the ride. Amen, amen. So hey, uh, this coming Sunday too at Living Stones, Mother's Day, we're gonna celebrate moms, come on out. Uh, My lovely bride is going to uh, have a little heart gush and share, that's always really rich. And then the following Sunday is our celebration Sunday. We are going to move forward in faith We're believing God for supernatural provision as we look to expand. In fact, if you go on our website, you'll find there a uh, the Now campaign. Click on that. You can find some amazing videos that are highlighting what we're doing. In fact, if you're watching us online and you're not even close to Living Stones, but you believe in what God's doing, we would love to have your financial support. Uh, And you can do that on the uh, at the Now campaign uh, portion of our website. So, Father, give us courage today to be bold and courageous and to live out the gospel, and to not be ashamed, and to not be afraid, and to not silence ourselves uh, through our fear, but to speak boldly and to stand courageously for truth. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Have a great week. We love you guys. We look forward to seeing you next week.